good evening. Tony and I met on a long distance blind date. He lived in New York City and I lived in Miami. And we were both involved with executive ministries. And our common heart for evangelism and discipleship drew us together and our love for adventure. In less than a year time, year's time, we were married and riding our bikes across America with a group called Wandering Wheels. Two weeks ago, we celebrated our 28th anniversary. <laughs> we have four boys, as Todd said. Our youngest is at Baylor. Uh, Caleb is at the Naval Academy pursuing an officer's track uh, to be a Navy SEAL. We married off our two oldest sons this last year, adding two wonderful daughters, Danielle and Audrey. And this year, Tony's in the process of shutting down his fund of funds and family office business that he founded 21 years ago. So needless to say, we've had a lot of transition in our life lately. From a giving standpoint, we're trying to figure out and praying for clarity about what happens when the faucet shuts off. <laughs> in the first year of our marriage, we got invited to a Founders Weekend with one of our favorite evangelists, Ravi Zacharias. And there were probably 125 people in the room. And the thing that struck us was that we were all the guest of Dee Dee Davis, the patron donor of RZIM. This gentleman paid for all our meals and our housing at one of the most beautiful hotels in the country. And he's still funding those annual meetings 28 years later. His life has been a compelling example for generosity for us. We love coming to Generous Giving every year and have attended since its inception, almost two decades ago. We keep coming back because the teaching, testimonies, and talk around the table have molded and shaped us, and we're so grateful to those of you who've walked with us on this journey. Ten years ago, I was invited to be a part of a generous giving prayer group. The purpose of the group was to sharpen and encourage one another and to pray for a movement of generosity among women. Over the last decade, the prayer calls, retreats, and friendships have drawn each of us closer to the heart of God and have carried our entire group through some very difficult transitions in life that we never expected. I'm so grateful that our whole group is here today. I'd like to share three different individuals that have changed the trajectory of our lives in the area of giving, materialism, and generosity. The first is a guy named Hugh McClellan, who you might say is the godfather of this place. Um, <laughs> Hugh uh, shared first with us in 1993 at the foundation conference, but then we heard him at the first couple conferences here. And Hugh talked about having a plan for your giving. I'd never heard of that before. Um, and he said, look, I'm here today just simply to share with you my plan that it might stimulate you to think about having your own plan. And Hugh and his wife, they gave away 70% of their income. They gave away 10% to their church. They believed in tithing. 
They gave 20% as encouragement gifts, and 40% were impact gifts. Now, his wife, Nancy, she was an encourager, and she loved encouragement giving. So Nancy would give to missionaries who had small children. She would have babysitters or someone come in and clean their house. She would help pastor's wives in, in ways that sometimes you don't get a receipt for. She would have roofs put on other missionaries and full-time Christian workers' houses. Uh, and Hugh, on the other hand, he's a Scotsman, and he's an, he's an impact giver. He won every buck to count. And so Hugh, he gave largely to the impact giving. And he invested in things like the Jesus film and ministry called Dawn, discipling a whole nation. But Hugh talked about giving like no one else I'd ever heard talk about giving. He talked about some of his gifts as home runs, the way we in the investment community talk about five and 10 and 15 baggers. Home runs was what he called Dawn, discipling a whole nation, and it was. And as a result of Hugh's story, and he and Nancy, they've been a major catalyst in our life to develop our giving plan, year in and year out. Now, the next guy was Ralph Dudare in 2003 in Phoenix. Ralph talked about his baseline giving. He was a su successful money manager. He gave away 50% of his income. I thought, wow, nobody gives 50%. Wasn't that the line that Burt Reynolds used in uh, that movie, at the end of the movie, the end? Nobody gives 50%, God. This guy, he said, look, it's, it's easy for me. The math makes sense. I have savings. I have a lot of money, he said, and I realize that the government has taken away almost all the deductions we have, but the one deduction we still have is the charitable contribution deduction, and it's good up until December 31st, and once you don't use it, you lose it, and that just seemed to make sense to us. It was a good baseline place to start our giving. The last person was Henry Blackaby, and Henry is an incredible teacher. Many of you have probably seen his book, Experiencing God. A lot of us here, Henry said, have the gift of giving. And we are the people in God's army that are charged with sending the munitions up to the front lines. He talked about God's army. He said, you see, there are people out there, pastors and missionaries and full-time Christian workers, and they're on the front lines. And they're taking shots. And people are coming at them all the time. And Satan is turning up the pressure on them and going at them. And it's our job, those of us with resources and the gift of giving, to send those munitions to the front line. It's our job to help those guys up front who are living on their gift of faith. And Henry said it's really sad that many of us have fallen asleep at the helm and that we're back here thinking that all this stuff that we have is just for us. It was an incredible day, an incredible weekend with Henry and it changed the direction of our lives. So when we moved to Gross Point, God put Paul's prayer for the Ephesians on my heart. And it's been my life first, and it's my prayer for all of us tonight. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And that you may 
know this love that surpasses knowledge and be filled to all the fullness of God. In our largely Catholic community, we've had the privilege of partnering with, across denominational lines to launch Young Life, host outreach dinners, desserts, coffees, and neighborhood Bible studies where friends and neighbors would come to hear the gospel. In fact, we got a lot of pushback when we first moved there. And in the bulletins of several area churches, there were warnings about attending Bible studies with Protestants. <laughs> then we began seeing an awakening in our community. So many people were coming to Jesus and getting activated in their faith and staying in their churches and lighting a fire there. So we started partnering with our Jesus-loving Catholic friends uh, in bringing Alpha for Catholics into our community. And it's been a beautiful thing to see Protestants and Catholics come together and change a city. We've also seen Detroit become a model for evangelizations across the country within the Catholic Church. And most of the parishes in our area are now offering Bible study and running the Alpha course. And countless leaders have been activated in their faith. One of the blessings of owning our own business has been the way that we've been able to leverage the resources of our company to provide back office services for many of the ministries that we support. And it's been a joy just not to just support them financially, but really to enable them to focus on the primary work of the ministry. One of the things that about giving that I love most is how it allows us to partner with God by obeying his promptings. This week, a former missionary doctor and dear friend reminded me of a story that was nothing short of miraculous for her when she was living in Jos, Nigeria, serving at a missionary hospital there. Stacy had just finished sewing up a young ministry that had been brutally attacked near her home. Horrified by the incident, Stacy began talking to God about how she just needed a break that, from the constant trauma. And walking home, she just asked God to airlift her out of Joss for a week or two. Meanwhile, back in the States, Tony and I were trying to figure out what to do with a prepaid trip to Euro Disney that we weren't going to be able to use because of a hockey tournament that our son was playing in. God laid Stacy and our family on our hearts, so we picked up the phone and called them to see if they could get away. Miraculously, our dates lined up perfectly with their children's school break. As Stacy walked in the door, 10 minutes later, her kids were jumping up and down saying that they were going to Paris Disney. Stacy was flabbergasted. What an amazing privilege it was to be an answer to her heartfelt prayer for rest and refreshment. Well, my friends are asking me now, so what's next, Tony C? And frankly, I don't know, not yet anyways. We're at the end of the chapter, but we're not at the end of the book. I'm not planning on spending the fourth quarter in the stands or on the bench or on a beach somewhere, but God hasn't shown us which way to set sail. 
So we'll wait for his wind, the wind that comes from his spirit. I'm trusting in the same God that I've trusted in for the last 30 years. He's still on the throne. He's still continuing to guide and direct and work out his plan for my life. My friend Pete Sorensen, my first Bible study leader in New York with Ron Fraser at the DeMoss House, he said to me one day, well, he said, you're a pretty smart guy. You've got good education and great pedigree. He said, you can probably do a pretty good job of planning your life. Or he said, you can let the guy who invented time plan your life for you. <laughs> so here I am. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on that guy. I'm waiting for him to reveal his will. In the meantime, I remember a few things from my years here. And they are simply this. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. We believe that God clearly led us to close down our business and to return our capital to our investors. We don't always know the why, but we do know the who. And we're banking on it, that who is in charge and who was leading us. And that same who for the last 30 years has led our lives. Jesus changed my life 30 years ago when I finally surrendered to him on Wall Street. The Lord quickly showed me how dangerous materialism was. It's like that kudzu that grows down here in the south, that creeping vine. That's what materialism is. And you ask people, how do you get rid of that vine? And they all give you the same answer. You don't. You just keep whacking away at it. That's how materialism works. And we've found that the only thing that breaks the hold of materialism on our lives is giving. Giving, giving, and giving. Giving wisely, giving smartly, giving spiritually, giving generously. It's been a great way to live, and over time, we found that to free us up from that gift of materialism. So I'll close with this story. When we were first married, Tony and I decided very spontaneously to ride our bikes across America. Neither of us had done anything like it before, but we wanted to do something great, something no one we knew had ever done. So we trained every day for two weeks. <laughs> we'd go to our Manhattan Health Club and ride 12 miles into the headwinds of the air conditioner. After two weeks of this rigorous training regime, we got to California and dipped our, our tires in the Pacific Ocean. The first day we rode 30 miles, the second day we rode 60, and every day after that we rode 100 miles. We were ill-prepared, to say the least. 100 miles every day got us from the Pacific to the Atlantic. Since then, neither of us has been able to ride even 30 miles on our own. So you're probably wondering how two people who couldn't cycle more than 12 miles a day in an air-conditioned health spa could ride their bikes across America 100 miles a day. Well, I'll tell you how. It's because we traveled with other like-minded individuals. And every day we had a common goal. Because we were doing it with fellow cyclists who had the same plan, every day we made it to our destination. Regardless of terrain, weather, or wind conditions, we pushed each other to move ahead. Generous giving has been like that for us. The relationships built around these tables have aligned our hearts with people that have helped us to touch the miraculous and go so much farther than we ever could have gone alone. 
We hope the same will be true for you. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. Thank you.